Well, it's just a, a bit of time for me to share. Thank you all for sharing. It really does encourage and build each other up uh, that we all can do that. Uh, so some, my turn to share. Uh, and to share some thoughts for myself, but from the leaders here, of what the Lord has put on our hearts as we look ahead to this new year. Last year, you might have heard it's mentioned it once or twice if you've been with us, we had this as our motto verse, Philippians 2, 2. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. We talked this time last year how that God had put unity on our hearts. Unity that we were to give thanks for, for the unity God had given us in this place. Unity that we were not to take for granted, though. Unity that we were to protect and to give thanks for all God had done in this family. But we also talked about how this unity is a gift from God. Not for us to sit on and just enjoy here and become a social club, but a platform that unity is given for us to push on in worship, that unity is given for growth, and that unity is given for mission. And this theme carried us through into our final teaching series of the year where we looked at the book of Nehemiah. And we saw what it looked like there to be on a mission together, that God can use us and wants to use us to build and to rebuild but to do that, we have to be a people committed to prayer, a co- people who are committed to standing on his word, and a people who have compassion for the world around us. And it's at this point, the first Sunday of the year, that in the last couple of years, that we've shared a new motto verse for our focus to take into the new year. But as leaders, as we've, as we've prayed and we've reflected, We don't feel God is moving us on from here just yet. That word building has kept coming back to us. Even as we've done that separately, Pip from his sickbed in the last few months has prayed and God has kept bringing that word back to him, building. We believe God has given us the foundations here and blessed us with that so that we need to build with him. There was one other place that we talked about unity last year. Uh, When we looked at John chapter 17, Jesus' great prayer for his people, his prayer that they would be united, that they would have unity. Now, it wasn't why we touched on it back then, but in these last few months... That passage in John 17 has been used by some trying to drive change uh, in regards to same-sex marriage within the Anglican Church. Um, it has been called um, as a well as a call to unity, to say we all need to be united, we all need to go down these, this route to change so that we can be one. But as we saw when we studied that prayer back at the summer, 
that actually that's a misuse of this prayer. That's not understanding it properly. And thankfully, they're being called out by faithful brothers and sisters within the Anglican church. Jesus there does not pray for uniformity or unity at any cost. It's not a call to keep the peace at the expense of truth, or it's not a call to find the lowest common theological denominator for working in unity. Now, Jesus there prays that his church would be united, but he prays that they would be united in him. It is a unity based on truth that comes from his word, a unity that flows from himself. Unity in Jesus Christ. And I suppose if we're looking for a theme for this year, that's what it will be. Jesus. And wow, you might be thinking, James, that's very revolutionary of you. This year in B Church, we're going to be thinking about Jesus. <laughs> but stick with me for a bit. Uh, I want to read these verses from Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, but it's safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I'm not going to preach on this passage, talk through this passage this morning. I should sometime because it's a wonderful passage. What I want us to see here in this passage this morning is Paul's love for Jesus Christ. It bubbles over in this passage. He starts this section by saying, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Paul finds his joy in Jesus Christ. You know, 37 times you read that phrase in the New Testament, rejoice in the Lord. 37. 35 times it's Paul who's saying it. Paul then lists in this passage all the things that were important to him before. 
and all the other things that other people might find important. But what does he say? He says, I count them all as loss for the sake of Jesus. He is rejoicing in his Savior. He finds his joy in Jesus Christ. And he says, everything I had before, I count it all as loss. The different extremes shown in the language here tells us how much he wants to make his point. He says, it's the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. The surpassing with nothing else can compare to this knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's in a different league, so far above everything else, that everything else compared to it, well, the polite word we read translate here is rubbish. But I think we've said it before, the closer translation would be dung. Everything else is dung. Knowing Jesus is better than anything else the world has to offer. And this word knowing that he uses here isn't like knowing about Jesus. He doesn't know about Jesus. No, he knows Jesus. It's intimate and it's warm. He's in direct relationship with Jesus. He loves Jesus Christ and he says nothing else can compare. And as we start this year, I want to ask, how much of this do you know? And how much of this do I know? As free evangelicals, we can get a bit edgy around this. He said, I think you're talking about emotions here, James, aren't you? <laughs> We're very good on truth, but emotion, that's when we get a bit edgy. Well, brothers and sisters, the Bible speaks a lot about both. What is love, though? Is it not what we do? We might jump to a verse like John 14, 15 that says, If you love me, you will keep my commands. There we say, love is obedience. It's what we do. And we'd be right in saying love can't or isn't just words. That's not right. But is, that, is this what that verse is saying? Jesus is saying, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Obedience there is an outworking of the love that is already there. This love that Paul says surpasses everything else. A love which treasures Jesus Christ above all things. A love that sees his beauty. A love that sees his worth. A love that says everything else in my life compared to him is useless. So therefore Jesus says, well, if you have this love, you will obey. If we have this love, of course we'll want to follow him. We'll want to do what he says. And in our call to build with him this year, then loving him is essential in that. 
we said we need to be a people of prayer. And if we love him, we'll want to spend time in prayer with him. We'll want to spend time hearing from him through prayer, through his word. We said we need to be those who need to stand on his truth. And if we love him, we will do that. If we love him when people are openly trampling over what God has said and over what Jesus has said in his word, then we'll not stand for that and we won't let it happen. If we love him, we will want to tell others about him. When the disciples were commanded by the officials to stop talking about Jesus in the book of Acts, what did they say? They said, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen or heard. If we love him, we will want to build with him this year. Not so that the name of B Church may be lifted up, but the name of Jesus Christ will be lifted high. So where does this love come from? 1 John 4 tells us. It says, we love because he first loved us. The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, Paul talks of, comes because he says, Christ has made me his own. Paul is overwhelmed by the love of Christ. Paul's deep theology we are taught to read through the New Testament is deep theology of sin, of the cross, of resurrection, of redemption that we read throughout the New Testament hasn't made Paul stuffy. People say the more you know, the stuffier you get. Nonsense. Everything Paul knows makes him pour out in praise. Real doctrine leads to doxology. Real truth leads to praise. He knows how much he is loved. He knows how much he has been forgiven. He knows what it costs Christ to save him, and he loves his Lord. He is totally satisfied in his Savior. And that's our prayer for the church this year. That's my prayer for my life, for your life, and the life of this family together. I pray that we would see more of Jesus Christ. And then we would love him more. That's why we felt led to study the Gospel of Matthew together this year. To see Jesus more. We'll study it together and in our life groups and in other times. And in our week of prayer coming up this week, that's what we'll encourage you to pray. That we will see Jesus more and love Jesus more. I did suggest, or was thinking of suggesting this hymn to finish with. It's an old hymn, it's a Welsh hymn. So I don't know how well it's crossed the border. With my Ken and Kathy, you're my hymn people. Has this one crossed the border? No. Okay. This is an old Welsh hymn. 
These are its words. It says, I saw a new vision of Jesus, a view I'd not seen here before. Beholding in glory so wondrous with beauty I had to adore. I stood on the shores of my weakness and gazed at the brink of such fear. It was then that I saw him in newness, regarding him fair and so dear. Pray for this. Pray for a new vision of Jesus Christ this year. Pray that we will continue to be united, but we will be united in Christ. Pray that we will build with him this year because we love him, because we have caught a new vision, because we find total satisfaction in our Savior. Pray for a new vision of Jesus this year.